Welcome to This is George G. And the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Dr. Andy Schmuckler. Dr. Andy, are you ready to do this? Yeah. What do you mean by the time is right? Well, the, I, the time is right to do our show, apparently. That oh, is. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Can't quarrel with that. But whether this time is right or not is an important question. You know? that, that, that is fair. The time is now, perhaps. Well, that that's also indisputable. Kurt. <laughs> well, doctor, what time is, is another question that uh, is too deep for me, though. Yeah, probably we don't have enough time to uh, to 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 unpack those big ones, but not enough time. Right. <laughs> Dr. Andy is back. He is an author, a columnist, a speaker, a thought leader, amongst many other things. Excited to have you back on, Andy. Tell us a little about your personal life, more about your work and why you do what you do. Well, I do what I do because uh, I got called to it. Uh, it's over a half century ago. Um, it was just, it was a, an experience that changed the course of my life. And it, I, I think we got into uh, the idea that came to me or was shown to me or whatever it was uh, last time we spoke. Um, uh, and, and I've, it's got to do with, um, let's just say, I wouldn't have put it this way until fairly recently. I consider it a toss-up whether in the next not that many generations, humankind, human civilization will either get its act together or it will destroy itself. And, and I can I can argue that, you know, we're not going to just muddle through, you know, that muddle through thing we've been doing for a thousand years. That's not going to remain a long-term strategy for uh, humankind. And uh, I really care which it's going to be. And I've got some things to, um, I've put some things together into an understanding of, of what I'm calling a better human story. That's, that's the phrase that I've hit upon um, uh, that could help if it's a toss-up, it could help uh, to lead us to the outcome that we would want rather than destroying ourselves with a, a nuclear holocaust or uh, upsetting the biosphere that we depend on for our survival. So why do I do what I do? I think I've got something to impart that could help preserve things I care about. I appreciate that. How did you settle on better? Well, um, what, how did I settle on better? Well, when I first sold the first big piece of what I'm calling my integrative vision, the thing that came to me in 1970, when I first wrote it up and it got published in this book, that's uh, visible over my shoulder here in 1984 from the University of California Press. My my approach was uh, sort of a bad news prophetic kind of thing. You know, we humans should be humbled by <clears throat> the discovery that we have not been in charge of how civilization has developed or not nearly as in charge as we have assumed. <clears throat> but um, I came to think that you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar, <laughs> though I don't know how many flies I've caught anyway. But 
the, the implications of what I saw in 1970 that I've been developing uh, uh, all kinds of ramifications are one, one uh, is that we are better creatures than we have thought ourselves to be. Uh, what I think I prove is that any creature on any planet, anywhere in the cosmos, that takes the step out of the natural order onto the path of civilization will inevitably, regardless of its nature, be compelled to take some of the kind of destructive and ugly course that human history has taken. I think I can prove that, but you know, it takes a bit of doing, but that's actually good news. You know, the belief systems that we have, uh, that we have, have been brought down to us through the centuries that were put together by people who didn't understand what, in an evolutionary perspective, that unprecedented step of extricating ourselves from the niche in which we evolved biologically and, and uh, invent, by inventing our own way of life. They didn't understand what, how they got to where they were. They looked around the human world. They saw all the tyranny and the chronic war and the exploitation of the many by the few. And, and they said, uh, they, con they concluded uh, what seemed obvious, which is this must be who we are. And I've, if, you, if any creature, regardless of its nature, taking that step would be swept up in the social evolutionary process that I think I prove was inevitable, then the better story is better, at least in part, in telling us that that ugliness isn't us. It is a product of the dynamics of the system that we unwittingly unleash. But that's not the, you know, I think we touched upon that idea last time. I've been working on some other implications of um, of the evolutionary perspective, which is also a kind of better where, where the, what I think I can prove is that the moral dimension, which I think a lot of the secular worldview thinks as, you know, gives a short shrift is it's merely subjective. It's just a matter of opinion. That moral dimension is real, it is important, and it is life-serving. And, and, and that's kind of where I'd like to go. And also the spiritual dimension, which is also given short shrift in a lot of our secular worldview, the people who are looking at the world, not in terms of our religious traditions, but in terms of the, well, whatever it is that they are left with and, and, and what we've developed since Darwin showed that there's a history of a different kind than we knew. I think it, I think it is better for humankind also not to give short shrift to the moral and spiritual dimension, but to recognize that they're both real, important, and life-serving. And, and, and I think I can demonstrate that if we've got the time for me to walk through the steps. Let's go. Well, the, the evolutionary principle that uh, this is derived from is that, for the most part, whatever has been crafted by the natural selection into a, a species is there because 
it helped those who had it to survive at a higher rate than those who didn't have it. That's what natural selection is. So the a big current in the secular worldview looks at um, our experiential realm and says, well, it's merely subjective because, you know, what's real is objective. But the thing is, an actual process of evolution was shaping the creatures that evolved. And it was instilling in them whatever it was that would prove to help them survive and get their DNA into the future. So among these things that we have been crafted with, I mean, you and I both have noses and eyes and, you know, all the rest of the equipment. But we're also crafted to have certain experiential tendencies. This is a phrase I've started using in recent months. And, and, and one of them is that we have been crafted to, uh, to divide experience into the better and the worse. The better are the things that we like and we want to have experience and we seek them out. And the worse are the, the opposite one. Well, you know, you don't drop a rock on your foot, you know, stuff like that. And, and you can infer from the fact that that spectrum of better and worse is there that it helped creature, our ancestors, however far back you got to go. I mean, we're, not the, we're not the only species that feels that way. My cat's out there. She feels that way very strongly. Some things are good and some things are not good. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know how far down it goes, but it, it ain't just us. So they, it's obvious that that spectrum of experience was put there because it motivates us to do certain act in certain ways that lead to survival. That's what I mean by life serving. It feels good. And, and the, the fact that it feels good is what evolution crafted in us so that we would do it. So because that's what survives and what survives is what we got, you know. So that valuative thing. Now, it may be that objectively there's no out there, you know, if there's nothing in this whole cosmos that experiences anything in terms of better and worse, you can say, well, you know, there's no such thing as value in the world. That's what I would say in that world. But evolution creates value as an emergent reality because it is developing creatures for whom things do matter. Fulfillment is better than misery. It just is. And value then exists in the world. And it is life-serving because that's the whole purpose. It's part of the strategy for survival. So it would be another uh, line of discussion to say that once you've established the reality of value, you can derive from it that there is something real and important that has to do with a moral dimension of the shoulds of what we want to do, that, that, that certain outcomes are better than others, that we, we, want a, we want a world in which life is thriving and not in one which was being destroyed or, or being degraded or suffering. There is a better and a worse in the experiential realm, not to be that realm, not to be dismissed as merely subjective because the experience itself 
was a representation of the world in which we had to survive. You know, mathematically, you can sort of derive it. This is what you got to do. These are the motivations you got to have. And this is how we bring value in to achieve that. That's what life managed to do. Should I go on to the spiritual dimension and it's yeah, being that, real I, and I, important? Yeah. I think that that makes sense to me. It does make you, you could follow that. Yes, because I, I, I really, I really don't know how easy it is to convey <laughs> some of this stuff. I, I know I've written it, you know, on my website. You know, anybody wants to go deep into it, but uh, anyway, I'm glad. So the spiritual dimension um, is, is pretty recent for me. The value part actually makes an early appearance back in the. Uh, the early version of, of that book, it, it sort of sneaks in the corner. But but the spiritual part, uh, I, I only recently thought through the logical steps. First of all, the observation, the factual thing. A, a large portion of humankind has experiences of a special kind that they regard as special, that they're especially deep and impactful and meaningful. And they come back maybe with spiritual truths or, and, and maybe the course of their lives will be uh, impacted by it. And societies seem to, to seize upon some of this kind of experience and put that at the core of the culture. So that's it. A part of our nature. I don't know if it's one of those things that, you know, everybody's got it. But I think that the evidence is that at least a third of the people report experiences that I think qualify for being a, 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 in that category. So if it's in our nature, that again means... It got selected for. I, I don't know if we humans are the only ones who have transformative spiritual experiences. We do. Maybe elephants do. I don't know. But it's not as widespread, I don't think, as, as value. And, and I, have, I could go down a little road if you wanted to about why, because we're cultural animals, we had greater need of it. I, I kind of like that idea, too. But I'll skip that for now unless you tell me to go back. So if it's part of human nature... And if it was selected for, that means that the people, or they maybe weren't even people at that point, but are the ancestors who had that experiential capacity to have such experiences, that they tended to survive more than those that didn't, or maybe just not individuals only, but like hunting, gathering, bands, those who had uh, uh, the kind of people who could have function as shamans or wizards or some of these people who played roles in connecting their society with some realm or other, that uh, however they interpreted it. So if it helped people sur to survive, that again makes it real. It makes it important. It makes it life serving. And it has the further implication that whatever it was that they were getting from whatever source they were getting it, I'm, you know, I, I, it's mis I'm a realm of some mystery to me, but I have had such experiences, tried to interpret where they're coming from. But anyway that if it helped people to survive, 
I think we can infer that it is the nature of spiritual experience, or at least the tendency, uh, to be imparting something which is provides good guidance. It tells it has an impact on people. They take a different path, and that path turns out to lead to life uh, rather than death. So the, on balance, I don't know if there are, uh, you know, destructive uh, revelations. Well, I, I do know that there are, but I, I attribute them to the destructiveness we were talking about before. But anyway, that on balance, when people have spiritual experiences, and I don't, I don't have any study to support this, but uh, that what they're getting actually makes their lives better. It makes the survival of the genome better and it makes a better world and it, you know i think uh, these days i'm working a, a, a lot um with the uh, messages that the angels are said to have put into the written into the heavens uh, uh when jesus was born i'm not a christian but i uh, i pay attention to to where wisdom is to be found and the angels say peace on earth and goodwill toward men. And, and that message is, I think that it is a message which is derived from people having these deep spiritual experiences, whatever the history may be going back however far and, and, and accumulating through generations and cultures and such. But peace on earth and goodwill toward men, that is... That is a place where, you know, that is what we should be guided by. If we, if human civilization is going to survive and not self-destruct, those two ideas, and they go together, well, they're not the only ideas out there, but they illustrate the point. If we could have goodwill right now, for example, I'm writing a political piece. I write, I do a lot of work in the, about America's players in crisis. I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying, well, we should have a uh, no-conflict pact between the two political parties right now. The American people should insist that every everything they do be consistent with the basic spiritual teachings of our civilization. Peace on earth goodwill toward men, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, and even striving toward the kind of impossible love thy neighbor as thyself, <laughs> which is asking a lot, but people do, people do move along that spectrum, and, is, and every time they do, it makes things better. So this spiritual dimension and the moral dimension are two places from which we actually have access to the good. We have guidance for the good. Now, a lot of my work, starting with that other thing about uh, the ugliness and we see in human history, uh, doesn't sh isn't a clear window onto human nature. I've been very involved in, in evil. I didn't always call it that. I don't insist on calling it that, but let's just say, that that original idea was about a destructive force. And I've continued to see how that works through history. And it is just mind blowing 
seeing some of this stuff. But I've been pretty focused on on evil because I really don't like it. <laughs> I want I, I want to get rid of the destructive forces that are at work in our world. I, I I want the world of peace on earth and goodwill toward men. So. Now I'm trying to say that if we're going to win this battle between good and evil, and I, I, I try to show that that actually describes, and you, it, it, it so parallels what our civilization has understood before as the battle between good and evil, that it's worth calling that, though, if people don't like it. And I, for 20 years, I've got experience about how people don't like those words. But it acts that way. So the battle between good and evil is something that just emerges and can be seen through the evolutionary perspective. One dynamic explains how a destructive force arose in the human world because of the plunge we made into anarchy when we took the step on the civilization. But now I'm also wanting to stress, you know, in terms of better, we'll get a better outcome if we give full respect to the moral and spiritual dimensions that at least a major current of our secular worldview gives short shrift to. That we need to fortify the good in order to defeat the evil. And, and so you ask, why do I do this? Because I feel like I understand the battlefield. I think I understand the battle. I think I know what the, mis the stakes are. And I think I know how these two forces that are contending are uh, to determine the fate of humankind, how they arose. I see one, the rise of evil and the evolutionary perspective of, of what it means to plunge into disorder. And I see the emergence of good in terms of the evolutionary perspective that says to us, what's been crafted in us is evidence of what's been life-serving. And we should honor and pay attention to those dimensions in order to fortify ourselves so that 200 years from now, human civilization will be thriving, flourishing on this planet, living in harmony with this planet versus the equally possible outcome that we would have incinerated ourselves in a nuclear holocaust or brought the whole climate system down on our heads in a catastrophic way. So that's me. I love it. And it, it, it makes a lot of sense to me that we have, over the course of our existence on Earth, uh, selected for these things. We've selected for value selection. We've selected for embracing the spiritual dimension because these are things that we've discovered to be life-serving, life-promoting, and getting back to embracing and understanding will help us individually thrive and flourish. And then by nature of that collectively thrive and flourish. Well, I'm, I'm glad it, it, it um, resonates with you. Let, let me also say um, um, if people would want to know if, um, if the goods are delivered that I'm acting as if, you know, I've got some, you know, you could, you could easily say, wow, well, this guy's too full of himself, or, you know. But, uh, I, I just invite people to go to 
uh, a betterhumanstory.org and people can see whether the whether the goods got delivered i i've been working sort of I don't know. Ever since that day in 1970, I've been driving kind of almost obsessively to um, see the big picture. And 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 the people. It, it is integrated. It's not just a bunch of pieces. I've been working to create a, an integrative vision of what's happened. And um, if people would like to have something like that, if it were actually available and not somebody's, you know, grandiose fantasy um it's available to be checked out and let me also say that at 77 which is what i am strange as that sounds i i feel that it could be beneficial to get this out i've been working at it pretty hard i haven't failed utterly but i've mostly not done what I felt the mission was to do. And I'm just willing to do whatever I can at this point to, you know, like like some NFL team is behind by 14 points in the fourth quarter and, you know, goes through its time conserving drills, you know, sideline passes. And yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm doing what I can. And I would love for people, if they care about whether such a thing actually is there and available, check it out and find out. I love it. Well, if you enjoyed as much as I did, show Andy your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to a betterhumanstory.org and check out everything that Andy's been working on over the past however many, 77 years, roughly speaking, Andy. Well, I, I, the, the moment of calling was in August of 1970. So how many years has that been? 53 30. next month. 53 years. So check it out for yourself. Um, it certainly resonates with me and makes sense to me. And the whole idea with what we're doing here is to help people get better so they can live how they want and you know, we'll end the show here by saying, do your part by doing your best. And it sounds like that's exactly what you've been in, in doing. In terms sir. of doing better, recognizing that we are better creatures than our history makes us look and better mm. creatures than we have been taught to believe ourselves. You know, the ideas like original sin and human depravity and stuff like that. It, it is better to think of our species as much better intrinsically by nature but damaged and wounded by history hmm. than to think of ourselves as fundamentally defective creatures like runs through our the history of our civilization. Well said. Well, thank you again, Andy. My pleasure. Thanks, George. And until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best. <laughs>